as we get ready for the Canadian screening of Defining Us at the Toronto Black Film Festival, we are thrilled today to have Darion Allen with us. He is one of the students that story is told in the film and one of the first that we connected with and engaged with several years ago. Darion was still in high school when that happened. He is now a college student, which we'll learn more about, but I've really gotten to know Darion and to know his family throughout this process, which has been a great pleasure. So Darion, welcome. Wow. I, it's hard to believe we're here. Are you shocked? Yeah, Did you think it would ever it is. happen? I am shocked. <laughs> I am shocked. Yeah. I don't know what happened in an instant. I went from being a senior in high school to being a senior in college. And uh, here I am now. I'm talking with you again and looking forward to the release of this documentary and all the aspects that go and tie into it. So very happy to be here. We're so thrilled to have you. And we are so thrilled with your commitment and your persistence in this project, which as we all know, has had its fits and starts, its ups and downs, as many independent films do as they go through this process. So we're glad to be here and glad to launch and really glad that so much of the wisdom that we used in the documentary, Darion, actually came yeah. from you. So oh. I want to talk a little bit about that today, because I think we sometimes think that, you know, it's the experts or it's the columnists or it's the people that have established their careers and leadership positions that are going to guide us and sort of tell us what to do. But what I really learned from you is how much we need to listen to our kids and how much it is a child that will lead us because they, <laughs> you know, that, that quote, don't yeah. you? Um, because it's you and your peers that will be the next generation. And you probably don't remember this, but you and I had a conversation about that several years ago. And I remember asking you what happens, Darion, if we don't move forward. And you said, what you risk is progress. And without progress, you die. We are going yeah. to be the leaders of the next generation and we have to move forward. It was a profound statement for somebody at your age at that time. And now four years later, looking back, I just want you to think about that and see if you can yeah. expand on it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And even like you were saying, going back to that original statement, you know, without progress, there there's nothing, you know, it, it, it's kind of the theory, you know, what would you rather be? Would you rather be a, a flowing river that is going different places, meeting new species and, and doing many things with its with its ability? Or do you want to be a lake that's a, a still body of water just consuming and not expanding, you know, not not journeying to any new places, but still in one position? And I, I still feel that same way, especially thinking about the the way that I have experienced the youth of this country and the young adults of this country now being in college, I feel like that statement even stands harder. You know, there are some people that aren't doing a lot, you know, and, and that's just the way of the world. There's people in industries all across the country, all across the world that aren't doing much, but for the select few that are putting in the effort and are giving their all for the for the things that they are passionate about, whether it's social issues that are going on in our country, whether it's politics, whether it's health and medicine, whether it's film and music and the arts, the people that are putting in the extra effort 
they're the ones that, that are holding it down for the rest of us in many regards. And I think it's kind of, in a way, it's it's kind of nurturing to know that there are those people that are willing to put their all on the line for the causes that they believe in, because for the most part, that's enough. You know, if you have one in the group of 10 that's putting their all in, that, that one person that is passionate about what they're doing, they will carry the rest of the team and inspire the others in that group to follow them and pursue that same passion. I mean, I love that, Darion. I love it because the quote that's coming up in my mind on this is you are enough. One person is enough. One person doing what they can do and speaking up and representing the work that they are interested in actually moves the work forward. And I think it's really important for us to understand where you are and what you've been doing, because you are at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, correct? And you have been, I believe, an RA. And so you are seeing every kind of kid and every kind of walk of, not kid, young adult, and every kind of walk of life all day long, every day, because you're the head of the dorm, right? So you have some real personal experience with this and with what you just said. And can you kind of, you know, explain that to us? Tell us what you're seeing. What do you think is going on with the youth? Yeah. And especially being, like you said, particularly in my experience, being a um, a house fellow on campus or residential advisor, um, whatever the name may be, on campus, I was looking over a group of about 60 freshmen that were coming into the University of Wisconsin. And in that experience, I got to see a lot of people that were willing to put themselves out there to pursue things that they really wanted. It's such an interesting dynamic that I think is very special to the freshman experience of college, where you come in and you're dropped into this institution where you pretty much have the ability to do any and everything that you want to. You know, you can come in and you can wake up every day and say that you want to do this, or you can wake up every day and and do nothing and and hang out and go drink and, and go smoke and fall into the peer pressures of college. But on the other hand, you have the ability to wake up and choose the path that you take throughout that entire day. Um, You know, you choose the classes, you choose your major. And in that, I hope that, you know, and I I could witness that these people were finding themselves, which I think is the ultimately the the purpose of college. You come into a space and you leave having a, a much better sense of who you are and the things that you truly do care about. And that's something that I think is really important in scope of some of the issues that have been maintained in our country that are in relation to racial biases and and some of the social discriminations that persist in this country. But looking at that, you know, you have people that are coming in and for those that are looking to to change the narrative about social issues and racial injustice in this country, it's great because I see those people and I see those people on campus in the Black Student Union and the Latino Student Union and the Asian Student Union and all these other different organizations, people aren't letting things just go by anymore. People are taking the initiative and taking the stand to say, hey, there's a problem on this campus. What can I do to fix it? And I think to one of my one of my closer friends that I came into the university with under Posse, which is a full tuition scholarship, and he's going into venture capital, which is a industry that is very white dominated, very male dominated. 
and he saw this as a black man from Los Angeles and he said, okay, he, he called me and he said, hey, I want to make a club where we get black and brown youth, black and brown students on this campus to come into a space and learn about venture capital. And we developed that over um, the summer of 2020, I believe, and came in. And over the course of a year, we grew that club. And most of the credit goes to him for sure. His name is uh, Albert Elston, a wonderful guy. I'm going to be up in Boston doing venture capital work now full time. But we had a great experience being able to just find a problem on our campus that was local to us, resonated with us, and then finding the solution to that problem, which wasn't shell shocking. And I think that's something that people have to really hone in on is, you know, the solutions to some of these problems, they don't have to be drastic. It doesn't have to be, oh, well, these things have to be taught in the home from a young age or, or oh, I can't do anything about that anymore because it's past due. No, there's always a solution to any problem. It's just, are you the person that has the will and the patience to go through the trials and tribulations to make that solution a reality? Miriam, this is, I mean, that, this is great. I did not know that you had created that organization and wow, what an important thing to do because private equity, venture capital yeah. is very white dominated and it's an access issue for people of color yeah. to get businesses funded, to have access to capital. It's an access issue really for people of color, historically for women, for any population that has been, you know, sort of shut out of the business community throughout history. And I think it's amazing that you guys put that together and that you are really trying to help people understand and get that access. And Patrick Jean-Pierre, who's in the documentary with you, he's actually up in Schenectady out of New York. This is one of his big things. And I want to talk to you about it because yeah. What he says is, is that you have to have diversity in these organizations because they bring a different perspective. They look at someone that is from their background. They look at their power and their potential yeah. and what they can do. Whereas someone who's never had any experience with that and who has or has very limited experience with people that are different from them, tends to want to hire, fund, support folks that they go to dinner with, right? Yeah. Or that live in their communities. And I'm curious yeah. as to hearing that from Patrick, you know, yeah. is that something you've talked about in the, in the club? Yeah, and uh, that was one of the earliest struggles of the club because we were designing this organization to attract people of color from underrepresented communities that are at the University of Wisconsin. But what happened is it being a venture capital club, the main people that were coming to our club were white men. And we didn't even have a strong percentage of female participants until uh, last semester when we initiated you know certain initiatives that were directly targeted towards women on our campus and directly targeted towards people of color on our campus and going back to the initial point about the the emphasis and the role of diversity i couldn't agree more i feel like diversity is the perspective that is what you're gaining from having people from different backgrounds and from different ethnicities um, because it's not about the color. I feel like it's 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 never been about the color, um, in my opinion. You know, okay, there's a guy that's a darker skin tone sitting at the other end of the table. Okay, that's fine and dandy. 
But if we're not looking at that person and trying to understand where they came from, what they have gone through, and how that is influencing the decisions that they are making within this organization or at that table, then it doesn't really mean anything. And and I think that diversity is, is key in, in any room, no matter what it is, because as Patrick was saying, and what I think is being fleshed out here is, you know, those perspectives are key and they're vital to to getting to a point where there's a mutual understanding that applies to a wide range of people. You know, we're not designing things anymore for one group of people. And, you know, Darion, this goes back to, again, you know, a child will lead us because, you know, the world is moving forward to your point. And each generation moves us forward and can see things and understand things differently than the generation before them. I mean, you know, Chandler well, my daughter, because she's been involved. <laughs> yeah. in and I think, you know, Keith, my son, who's also yeah. been involved. I remember her saying to me when she got out of college, I mean, got out of high school and went to college. Mm-hmm. She said, mom, you know, you guys just don't get it. The world yeah. is different. Yep. We deal with and come in contact with people from all different walks of life. That's what the world is. Yeah. And we have sort of a lead in this, you know, we have an understanding and an ability to flex that people who come up in different times, it's more difficult for. And I'd wonder if you can address that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I I think that comes into play in a number of different ways. Just understanding how people operate now is completely different as as how people operated 20 or 30 years ago. And I have conversations with my grandmother, I call her Diva, but I have conversations with Diva all the time. And we're not necessarily disagreeing on different subjects, but we identify that, you know, based on where I'm coming from and where she's coming from, we have totally different ideas and conceptions about certain things, whether it's the race relations in this country, the politics in this country, whether it's going down to LGBTQ rights in this country, it's the amount of change that has happened within the past 15 years in this country has been phenomenal. And I think for a lot of people that are beyond my generation and beyond some of the generations above me, it's, it is a very difficult thing to, to understand how we got here so fast and how things have changed and how society has been accustomed to that change and really left, left some of the older generations you know, in the background. But with that, I, I think that it's it's really great that we have such force going into the new decade and we have such power and emphasis behind us, because I think as far as change goes, we've never lived in a better time for that, because it seems as though we're all so open to these new ideas. I think you're absolutely right. And we all need to hear it and remember it. And I had somebody say to me the other night, I worry about the world for my grandchildren. And I said, oh, no, it's going to be an (laughs) amazing world for your grandchildren. We're in transformative times. These kids are going to transform this world so that your grandchildren don't experience some of the things that we grew up with and just got through osmosis. And Darion, you just said the power. And I... I want to ask you too about another quote in the film 
George Patterson, yeah. who is the senior executive director for My Brother's Keeper out of New York, he said, you know, our kids experience pain. And he's talking at that point about mostly black and brown young mm -hmm. men. Yeah. And he said, but what we have to understand is the power behind that pain. Yes. And they can lead in a new way. They bring something to the table that somebody who didn't experience what they've experienced can understand and therefore can't be as perhaps inclusive yeah. and see the resources and the assets that all types of people can bring to the table from all walks of life. You have had your own trajectory. You come from an extremely loving mother and grandmother. Yes. Shout out to Dana, who I think is fantastic, as you know, <laughs> and to Diva, who I'm sure yes. is keeping you in check as you move through college. But talk about that power behind the pain. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's an amazing quote. Just thinking about that, that makes me think about the way that I'm motivating myself as I pursue a career in the film industry, you know, coming to UW, I have a personal finance major and a comm arts major that I'm utilizing to pursue film and I'm applying to graduate schools right now and doing that whole that whole hoopla. But as a creator, as an artist, as a filmmaker, I want to hone in on those raw emotions that characterize um, the black and brown experience within this country, those those emotions of pain, of grief, of trauma, because in that, I think there's so much that could be explored and so much that could be expanded to bridge different communities and bridge the gaps that persist be between these communities. Um, and I say that because we all understand emotion. We're all human. Um, we're all the same in that way. And you have two people at a table that have come from drastically different backgrounds and aren't the same skin color, aren't the same tone, did not have the same tone of life being raised. But in the essence, if you can break down those experiences to the raw emotions that were felt, I believe that we can all understand each other a lot better because no matter where you're coming from and where you're going, you understand what it feels like to be hurt. You understand what it feels like to, to be pushed down when you want to keep going and having to keep getting up. Um, and that's some of the things, those are some of the things that, that characterize black and brown men, particularly in this country. And, and I was thinking about the, the, that word pain because pain holds so much in it. And in that, I think there's so much that you can gather from somebody's pain to utilize it in a positive manner. You know, getting down to the root of why do you feel this pain? Where is this pain coming from? And once you figure that out, then you know how to communicate that to somebody else and you know how to utilize that pain and transform that into what I would consider and what I said earlier, power. Pain is power. And there's so much pain and trauma in this country, particularly with our black and brown youth, that I think needs to be fleshed out. And I think that, you know, even today we're, we're doing a lot better, but, you know, black and brown youth, particularly men, they're taught and they're they're trained essentially at a young age to hide their emotions and to to have that pain, but to deal with it and to just carry on their lives being the strong man that they are supposed to be. 
but we have to understand that we need these black and brown youth we need these black and brown men and women to access these emotions and to be able to express themselves because you know going back to an earlier point you can't move forward without progress and you can't progress in your emotional intelligence and the way that you can convey emotions to others unless you're able to process your own and understand your own um, and i think that's where the real power comes in understanding that darion i'd like for you to speak personally and directly about how important it is for black and brown youth to be able to talk about race as part of their identity. Wow, yeah, I think it's it's so important and such a massive part of what we have going and what this documentary is trying to say. It's a reality that we live in, you know, these black and brown youth, they are golden, you know, these these people, they have so much within them that has yet to be explored and has yet to be brought to the light. You know, there's so much that is building up under the surface. These youth need to express themselves and they need to process these emotions. So, so Darion, how did that work for you? I mean, you have had quite a story. And so when you talk about the power behind the pain, and the importance of being able to discuss your identity and to discuss issues like race. Was that part of your process? And how important was it for you? How did you move from where you started to where you are now? Is that something that you've done some self-reflection around? Mm -hmm. Share what you can with us. Growing up, you know, raised in South Central Los Angeles and going to school in that area and having friends and family within that area and doing all of that, it was a great experience, especially coming to college. I, I talked to many people that are going to the University of Wisconsin that are coming from Wisconsin, coming from the broader Midwest, the East Coast, places that are a lot more reflective of what you would consider to be the typical American town or city, because LA is not that. LA is not the typical American town or city, um, no matter what anybody wants to say about it. It's just not. So it was it was a really interesting dynamic being raised in that environment because I didn't have to really address my race, I would say, until until high school. That wasn't even within my own high school because my high school was 51% Hispanic and 49% Black. So, you know, even then, I'm not ever having to identify my race and how that contributes to my identity and what that means in regard to what I have to say and what I want to do with my life. But being in the groups, once I started, you know, sophomore year, that's when I applied and I got my first scholarship for college. And moving beyond that, I started to move into uh, more spaces that, that were more diverse in, in relation to what I had been accustomed to. Um, because for me, diversity was people of all branches of blackness and all branches of, uh, you know, Hispanic. You know, I had people, friends that were Mexican, Guatemalan, uh, Salvadorian. I had friends that were, you know, coming straight from Nigeria. I had other friends that had um, origins in the South or on the East Coast. But moving into those spaces where I started to interact with people that were from some of those same places, but lived in a different part of town, that's when things started to change. And, and coming to college, that's when it really hit for me because people would ask me, oh, hey, where are you from? And I say, Los Angeles. And 
I mean, as you could imagine, and as we all know, people are never, never thinking about the communities where I came from. You know, people are people are never thinking, oh, you're, you're saying Los Angeles, you're talking about South Central, you're talking about the place that I probably wouldn't, that wouldn't show up on Google if I searched Los Angeles, you know, and, and that's when race started to come to the forefront for me, because I realized that I had to maneuver through these different situations and conversations but then i also had another revelation that in essence it doesn't really matter where i came from you know in in certain regards and i, I won't say that to discount where i came from or my origins because i love where i came from yeah. um, but in certain conversations it doesn't it doesn't matter that i grew up with not the most money or not in the nicest neighborhood because i'm just in class with you and we're just working on a group project it doesn't go that deep but sometimes it does and it has to go that deep because that difference between where i came from and where you came from may mean the difference between why i would do something versus why i wouldn't or why i agree with this position or why i don't and Darian, i think this is really important because you do have a very loving mother and and grandmother and you have a lot of strength around yeah. you right and I think your recognition that you had the revelation that it doesn't have to matter where I came from because yeah. it's not important. But your second part of that sentence was, but sometimes it is important and sometimes it does go that deep. And yes. what we see in the data and actually with another conversation I had with somebody who's in the documentary, mm -hmm. you know, he went to a school that was predominantly white. He was previously in an all black and brown high school, right? Similar mm -hmm. to your situation, not in LA, but he went to a college that was predominantly white and it was difficult to navigate. And he, yeah. and a lot of kids really suffered depression. And I think Posse, the scholarship that you're on and the support group that Posse yeah. puts around students that come in on those scholarships those are all important things, right? It's important for the country yes. to acknowledge that this is critical work that has to be done because it is different when you start have to really not only just interact with, but compete with. And yes. to a point that you don't have to assimilate, right? You understand what I mean by that, right? Yes. That you can maintain your background, you can honor your background, your culture, your identity, and and move forward with the inner confidence to do what you need to do. And you yeah. have that inner confidence, but I want you to kind of help us, help who's listening understand that piece. Yeah, for sure. Even while you were talking, I, I think one thing that's really important is my identity is in everything that I do somehow, some way, even though it may not be apparent. And I feel that that's similar for a lot of people on campus and especially underrepresented people coming from underrepresented communities that are in places of 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 being a minority particularly at a predominantly white institution you know i i pitched my personal finance major because like i said i didn't i didn't grow up with with the lavish lifestyle that was full of money you know i didn't i didn't grow up having an understanding of what credit was what it meant to um, to take out loans, what student loans were, um, you know, what it meant to have a checkings and a savings account. You know, I learned these things over time, um, but I, I pursued that major because historically people from the places that I come from don't get that education, you know, while others 
they have a, a strong basis in these things by the time they graduate high school, sometimes middle school. And then going back to my communication arts major um, in film, I, I pursued that because I do want to capture the essence of what it means to be black and brown in this country to this day, because I think that it's important. And like I said earlier, I think the emotion that can be captured within those films and the emotion that that can traverse the different different situations that these people are put through in their life, I think that has a, a lot of power. Going into the inner confidence piece, it's just a old saying, you know, you have to work twice as hard for half as much. And I always took that saying to heart. And so far, I feel that that saying has played out pretty, pretty well in, in, in where I am today, because, you know, I go different places and, you know, I've done a lot of stuff on this campus and I've done a lot of things in different groups on this campus. So, yeah, I go and I apply for different things and people say, wow, your resume is incredible. But to me, it's not incredible. It's just the things that I wanted to do. I had a radio show and I have radio shows every semester that cover topics that I want to talk about that I think would impact this community. Last semester, I had a radio show called For the Culture where me and my co-host, we came in, we talked about the hip hop industry, the rap industry. But with that, we also talked about the issues that are prevalent in black and brown communities, you know, the things that are that are in hip hop, in rap, and why they're there and what led to that stuff being being um, intertwined with the music as a result of, you know, the history of those communities. So it's a part of finding how you fit your identity into the different things that you want to do. Because I do think that if you don't find a way to put your identity and in, in, in where you came from into the things that you do, then it's a it's a lot harder to maneuver through them. And Darion, you know, you work your tail off. I mean, I, you know, I've known you for a while now and I have interviewed you multiple times and interviewed your mom and talked with your grandma and talked with folks in LA Unified who know you and you work your tail off. You work twice as hard. And I want to be clear that part of your goal, because I know this is your heart, is that your community shouldn't have to work twice as hard. Exactly. You, right? I mean, that's something that you've done because you are passionate about the work. It's the reason you're going into film to let people know about the black and brown experience in America. But meritocracy is not something that you're saying, oh, that's okay, right? Yeah. We need to move past that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I definitely believe that that's what we should strive for. We should strive for a day where, you know, and, and I, it's hopeful because I see that coming. Um, that's what I envision in the future within my lifetime. You know, I would hope that once I get around to having children, which is who knows when, but not, not soon. <laughs> not now. Um, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but once I get to the point where I'm having children, I, I, I want to be confident that I can let them out to go hang out with people from whatever ethnicity, whatever background, whatever race, and it'll be okay. I won't have to worry about them going to the group as a mall and it being five different ethnicities and then one of them being singled out or two of them being singled out just because of their ethnic background or just because of the clothes that they chose to wear 
or the way that they wanted to present themselves that day. And I feel like that time is coming because I think as a society, as a community, we're coming a lot less tolerant to the abuses and the injustices that are happening in our country. And especially in a time of living in the era of social media, everything is online and everything is in your face at the forefront. Which, is, which I think is a big part of this movement. Darian, what role did education play in moving you through your life to where you are now? Wow. If I had to compare education itself to something, I don't know if I would consider it a door or a window, <laughs> but it was definitely something that allowed me to walk through the threshold to a new awakening of sorts, or uh, yeah, a new awakening would be a great way to put it. Education was was everything to a point. Education has a lot of different forms as well. And um, even just pursuing higher education itself, I'm learning in the classroom, but I'm also learning how to engage with different people. Before coming to college, you know, I never had to sit down and go to office hours and talk with a professor for two hours that has a PhD in philosophy. You know, I, I never imagined that. I never even thought I'd be taking a philosophy class. But going through that process and many other other processes, education just allows you to to see and get a glimpse of what is out there. Um, and that's why I did a few months ago decide that I wanted to pursue graduate school because I realized having learned as much as I did within my undergraduate experience, I still didn't know nearly as much as I could. And I still didn't know nearly as much as I wanted to about the certain subjects that I was interested in. And I think that's really important because education is, is a great thing to be obsessed with and a great thing to be addicted with for people of color and black and brown youth because there's no limit to education. You can keep going <laughs> as far as you want to, and you can become the expert within a given subject and rock that world as much as you want to. Let's talk for a minute, just for a second about King Drew, which yeah. was your high school yeah. in South Central and became quite a family for you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just want to give a shout out to King Drew and, and for you to talk for just as we wrap up, mm -hmm about how King Drew influenced you. You know, one of the quotes that we're using is one of the lead quotes for the whole Defining Us initiative is, is yours. Mm. When you said, you know, education is a re revolution of the mind. Yeah. And it's something that no one can take away from you. And I think that came to you from your experiences at King Drew. Yes. And I'd, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about that. I look back at my time at King Drew in high school with a big smile on my face. Like I said, my high school was 51% Hispanic and 49% Black. So I'm walking into school every day, looking at people that I see when I walk outside of my school as well, which is very empowering. And there are people that went there that are doing great things right now and are rocking this world like I never could have even imagined. And in that, I think King Drew was very pivotal because it it put me in a position where I had a challenge among people that looked like me. And I think that's something that is really important and could be very valuable for other people of color. It was a challenge, you know, um, going through, especially once I got to junior and senior year of high school, um, I had a pretty well-established friend group, a couple guys that I hung out with, and we were we were going at it. You know, I remember in physics class, I'm over here going at it with this guy because he's getting a 96 
and I got a 92, you know, and, and those are both good grades, but he got the 96. So next time, I think I'm gonna study a little bit more so I can beat him. Um, and we're all in calculus class, you know, uh, looking forward to the AP test and seeing how many of us can pass within our group, how many of us can pass that AP test. And those are challenges that we need among our youth of color. The world itself will already give our youth of color challenges the day they're born. You know, walking around the communities of South Central is a challenge. Me walking home from school was a challenge, but once I got to school, where education was the primary initiative, the challenges were different and the challenges were in my favor because they were pushing me to, to become a lot more focused on my studies and also to enjoy those studies. And I think that's one thing that the education system has, uh, has to address even further as we move into the new decade and into the years to come. We need to design curriculum that students are interested in and we need to design curriculum that students can relate to. I love that. It's a, the challenges were in your favor. I mean, that is profound and really, really an interesting way to look at it. When you are passionate about positive things, yeah, it'll save you. Yeah. And that's true for any child. That's true for any human being. When you are passionate and you have things that you can care about that are going to move you forward in life, yeah. and that you're fighting for rather than fighting against, it saves you. So it's, it's really a, a great way to look at it. And I think at King Drew, you found that. Yeah, moving into college, it was, a, it was a great starting ground. It was a great starting ground to go to King Drew and excel there and move into the collegiate space where I was, the challenges were all new. And I was prepared for that experience to come into class and be the only black person in class and be the only uh, one of three or one of five black people in my class, which is a, a daunting challenge to have to face. And I do pay respect to the Posse program and uh, Emily Hoffaker, which is the uh, Posse director here at UW-Madison. She's done a, a great job at cultivating a space where black and brown people can come into a, um, and shared environments and talk about these experiences and work through them. Um, because some days are definitely harder than others, no matter where you're coming from and what you're doing. But we have to remember, you know, there's, there's power in numbers and community is everything. Darion, thank you so much. It's just so great to talk to you again and we'll be back in touch. And anything you want to tell the audience about your radio show, where they can find out more about you, how they get in touch with you, Let's give you that opportunity right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, I've been really excited the entire time to be part of this process and to see this documentary go from um, initial concepts to now we're wrapping it up and, and getting ready for release. So really exciting stuff here. For all those out there, I have a, a Instagram you can follow me at. It's vibe.d. It's V, the number one, B-E dot D. Um, I post up there. I also have a art page that's linked to that main account um, and I post some things there and, and more film related things as well um, and on LinkedIn you can call me, find me at Darion Allen if you ever want to work with me or look into my work some of the short films I've done some of the radio shows I've done I have a website that's linked on my Instagram and that LinkedIn so um, if you're ever interested you can feel free to to, to reach out there okay great Darion great to talk to you and look forward to talking soon. And we will post 
in the podcast notes and on the Defining Us website, all the information that you just provided. Okay. So people can reach out and get in touch. Cool. Good luck in class today, and we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you.